different turn today. I'm not going to preach today. 
Matter of fact, I've asked Brother uh, Kavanaugh to come and proclaim the truth and to preach the Word of God today. And so he's going to come and preach for us this morning. God bless you, brother. If you would turn this morning to Exodus chapter 8, Exodus chapter 8, and uh, go ahead, and if you would, I know this is total opposite sides of the, the Old Testament here, but we'll start in Exodus, and we're going to end up in Haggai and Zechariah, all right? And so go ahead and go ahead to Exodus chapter 8, and then you can start finding Haggai and Zechariah, because that's going to take you a while. It's a tremendous song. It goes right in hand in hand. Get it? Uh, hand in hand. Uh, I didn't even try. It goes hand in hand with Sunday school this morning. And uh, that uh, we have a great high priest, and uh, he inspires us to persevere in the faith. And I trust that uh, you were in Sunday school this morning, great lesson today. And uh, if you're not in Sunday school, make a point of it next week. Be in Sunday school, 10 o'clock, and uh, you'll be challenged from God's Word. Exodus chapter 8 this morning. This is uh, the middle of the process of the children of Israel making their departure from Egypt and Uh, The Lord is beginning his work in Pharaoh's heart. In Exodus chapter 8, we're really kind of into the middle, or the beginning stages, I should say, of the plagues. And uh, specifically in uh, where we're going to be reading in verse number 9 this morning, Pharaoh is about to experience, or has just experienced, plague number 2. So the Nile has already been turned to blood, and now uh, the frogs have descended upon the land. And he said, enough with that. Apparently he had his fill of frog legs and said, I'm ready to move on from it. And, uh, and so, in Exodus chapter 9, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 8, verse number 9, it says, And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. Now, Moses wasn't asking for glory. He wasn't asking for, for, Moses, or for Pharaoh to praise him. He was saying, Give me the honor. Tell me what your decision is going to be here. When shall I entreat for thee? So, give me the honor of knowing when can I go to the Lord on your behalf and letting him know that you, you've had enough. You're willing to be obedient to his voice. He says, And when shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for the people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy house, that they may remain in the river only? And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Be it according to thy word that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from thee, And from thy house, and from thy servants, and from thy people, they shall remain in the river only. So Pharaoh says, enough is enough. And and he says, I'm ready, Moses. I'm ready for you to go ahead and entreat on our behalf. We're done with the frogs. Keep them in the river, please. And he says, all right, well, when should I do this for you? And he says, do it for me tomorrow. Verse number 12, it says, And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the village, and out of the fields. And they gathered them, gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. I'm sure it did. And when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart, and hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. I believe that Pharaoh was sincere in his request of Moses. Some may argue that, but I believe that he really was fed up, that God had gotten his attention. He said, man, this is a, this is a serious deal. I, I better listen to what uh, Moses is trying to tell me through God. And he says, Moses, I'm done with it. You, you go ahead and go to the Lord. You tell him that I, I, I'm giving up. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm not going to resist him any longer. But then that night came, the respite. 
And he didn't feel the pressure anymore. And tomorrow came and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. It would take a subsequent eight more plagues before Pharaoh would actually follow through what he said he would do. And even then, we know the story of how Moses would bring them to the Red Sea and how they would feel trapped. And we know that at that same point, Pharaoh's heart is hardened again. And, and he begins in pers- sets out in pursuit of Moses. We know that he faces him at the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. The children of Israel grow, go through on dry ground. And we know that, that Pharaoh winds up in the middle of that Red Sea. And, and in a miraculous fashion, the Lord closes those waters and that Pharaoh finds himself in a watery grave. The truth is that Pharaoh's tomorrow never came. He said, I'll I'll do it tomorrow, but his his heart hardened and his heart hardened. and, And the Lord kept trying to get a hold of him, but his heart continued to harden. And all the way up to the point where he finds himself in this watery grave. Never having turned to God. Pharaoh's tomorrows would never come, and his life would end in a watery grave. This morning, as we move over to Haggai and Zechariah, I want to present a challenge to you, a message from God's Word entitled, The Tomb of Tomorrows. Pharaoh never found life that would please the Lord. Instead, he found death in opposition to God's Word. What a horrible tragedy for a man who had been worn time and time and time again. The tomb of tomorrows. Father, we do ask that you would bless the reading and the preaching of your word this morning. Lord, I pray that every listening ear would be attentive to what you have for us today. Lord, this is unusual. And I'm thankful for the privilege to proclaim your word, but I have no doubt that you have a purpose in this. You've directed pastor this way and I pray that you would continue to work throughout the remainder of this morning's service, that we would not be resistant to your Holy Spirit's voice. Lord, that you would do a work in our midst that only you can do. Hide me behind the cross. Lord, I don't want to receive any glory from this. I do want you to be lifted up, that all believers and lost alike would be drawn to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would look here in, in Haggai, if you found it, did you find it finally? It's e- almost easier to start at Matthew and work your way backwards there. Um, but uh, in, in Haggai chapter number one, uh, we're going to begin reading again here. And the condition of Pharaoh's heart in ignoring the voice of God is not something that's isolated simply to Pharaoh. We find it all throughout Scripture. As a matter of fact, almost exactly 1,000 years have passed from Pharaoh to this part of the Bible where Haggai is dealing with the children of Israel. This story of Haggai and Zechariah are right in the middle of the, the, the uh, book of Ezra and Nehemiah. And so these people have been let go from their Babylonian captivity of 70 years, and they're now back in Israel, and they're supposed to be uh, rebuilding the, the, the temple of God. And, um, and so... The children of Israel are released from bondage. They're given an express instruction. uh, Go back and and build up the temple. The enemy in the land did not like what the children of Israel were doing. And if you recall, 
some of the enemies in the land write a, a letter to Artaxerxes, a, a false accusation. They say, hey, Artaxerxes, you let these people go, come back to rebuild the temple. But what they're actually doing is they're building up bulwarks. They're, they're building up their walls and they're building up their city. And, and what's going to happen to you is they're going to be uh, a, 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 a force that you're not going to be able to, re, to reckon with. You're going to find yourself cut off. And so the enemy manipulates uh, Artaxerxes, and, and he calls back, and he says, hey, hey, no more building walls. What are you guys doing over there? And he instructs them to quit building walls. I do want to note that he never told them that they couldn't build the temple. But they quit building that, too. And here we find ourselves in Haggai chapter number 1 and verse number 1. It says, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of uh, Sheatale, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jos- Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Now remember, they're supposed to be building the house of the Lord. That's what they were released for. It's actually been, at this point, from my best calculations, been about 17 years that they've now been in Jerusalem. 17 years that they should have been working on the, on the, on the temple and its rebuilding process. And, and, the, and the word of the Lord comes by Haggai here and, the, and he says, hey, the people are saying it's not time yet. The, the, the government said we can't do this yet. Artaxerxes said we can't build anymore. And so it's not time for us to be doing that. Verse number three, it says, Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you? O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? He's saying, oh, it's not time for you to be busy for me, but it's time for you to be building beautiful homes. Sealed houses, it's, it's the root word of where we get sealing. It's the fancy adornment, it's the covering. Normal homes wouldn't have had that. It would it'd have been a hut, it would have been an open rafters, it would have been something that's exposed. But is it time for you to, deal, to dwell in your sealed homes? You, you've built up your wealth and you're building these nice homes for yourself. You're busy, but you're not busy doing what I told you. It's not time to work for me, but it's time to work for you. Didn't I send you there with a job? And he, he continues on here. Verse number 5 says, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Have ye sown so much and bring in little? He's saying, hey, you need to consider what's actually going on in your life. You need to consider what you're doing. Ye have sown so much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink... But ye are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. They received this word of instruction from Artaxerxes that they were not to build anymore the walls. They weren't doing it anyway. They should have replied with, hey, we're not rebuilding the walls. We're doing what you told us we could come here and do. We're building the temple, and we're going to continue to do it. Not just because you said we should, but because God has told us to do it. But instead of doing that, they take the excuse that the government gave them, and they quit. And they begin to serve themselves. 
And, and the prophet Haggai comes along and he says, hey, will you not consider what's going on here? You've built these big, beautiful homes and they're, they're, they're sealed, they're, they're great structures. And you have enough seed that you can plant a crop, but you don't harvest very little at all, or much at all. You, you, you clothe yourselves, but you never can seem to get warm. You work a job, but you can never seem to put any money away. Consider your ways. And he was trying to get their attention. He was trying to say, hey, haven't you connected the dots here? That God is not prospering you and he's not blessing you. He's not allowing, despite all of your effort, for you to be blessed because you're not being obedient to him. You were given the instruction. You were told what to do. But you decided you were going to go a different direction and, and do your own thing. That uh, you were worried about the government or the enemies or all the people that are around you and their attacks. And your focus shift. You, you started about doing the wrong thing. And you're working and you're working and you're working and you're working, but you just can't seem to get ahead. Consider your ways. You know, there, it was time in this passage here for these people to be working. But their excuse was, it's not time yet. Tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll begin the job. Today I have to work my job. Yeah, hey, can you blame them? They just came from 70 years of captivity. No resources, no infrastructure, nothing in place, no savings accounts, no, harvest, no fields that were planted. Hey, can you blame them after all? That's, that's our human thinking, is it not? But we know that God would provide where he had led them. God would meet the needs, but here they are maybe thinking, hey, we just got to build some infrastructure. Hey, maybe, maybe God has given us a break from our job so we can provide for the work of God. But no, it was time for them to be at work. And they refused. Tomorrow. The next day. We'll start later. What a sad indication of their hearts. And as we consider these people here in, in Haggai chapter number 1 and, and their response to the Lord and their tomorrows, uh, if they continue this direction, we know that their tomorrow would never come. Just as Pharaoh's tomorrow never came, if they continued on in this path, their tomorrow would never come as well and the, the cause of Christ would never move forward. And I want you to consider this morning this idea, first of all, to avoid the tombs of tomorrows, trust now. Trust now. You see, they had their own reasoning. They had their own logic and they were following it through to its end. It didn't seem clear what God wanted them to do, even though he had been abundantly clear. It didn't seem like it was the right timing. It seemed like there was lots of opposition. It seemed as though they should be providing for their families or working a job or out in the fields planting a harvest. It seemed as though they could never get ahead. And so they just had to keep their nose to the grindstone. Well, what God wanted from them in that very moment was not to say, we'll do it tomorrow, we'll do it tomorrow. But what he wanted from them was to say, hey, we'll trust you right now. In our today, we'll trust you right now. Wherever you guide us, whatever you want for me to do, I'll do it today. Far too often, our responses are very similar to Pharaoh's and even here, once again, to the children of Israel's. Our, our obedience to, to God and to His instruction to us is hinged on the excuse of tomorrow. 
But what God wants from you and I as, as believers, as children of God, is that you and I would trust Him today. And, and it's not in the complicated things. He wants us to trust us with His simple Word. The will of God exposed and expounded to us. Today, trust the Lord. He has called you to a task that He wants for you to do. And, and in the most simplistic way, can I ask you, are you walking in His Word today? You say, oh, I trust the Lord. I trust Him. Are you instant in prayer? See, when it comes to trusting the Lord, the things that are logical to us often comes first. Prayer doesn't seem to be the initial response, does it? Our own reasoning does. Our own thinking through. But yet when it comes to actually following through with it, we say, well, i got to pray about it. Such an ironic thing. You don't need to pray about any of these things. You need to trust the Lord and do them today. Walk in His Word. Be instant in prayer. I wonder this morning, maybe the Lord has spoken to you and He has spoken to you. He's spoken to all of us about being a soul winner. Will you trust Him today? I mentioned even this morning in, in uh, the class uh, as we were discussing and, and, and the Roe versus Wade decision came up and the idea of, you know, that praise the Lord for that decision, but that's not the hope of our nation. The hope of our nation is our soul winners. And, and I read something yesterday that was so profound where a, a man said, if you want to save the aborted, win a soul. If you want to save the aborted, win a soul. That's, that's what's going to make all the difference. There will always be havens for people to murder their children. But if you reach them with Christ, that will make the difference. You and I have been instructed to be soul winners. We've been commanded to be soul winners. Will you trust the Lord with His instruction for your life today? I'll be that tomorrow. I'll follow through tomorrow. There are so many different areas, simplistic, the simplistic will of God for our lives, that we simply need to trust and obey Him in. We think about confessing our sins and keeping short counts of them. Nothing hidden from the Lord. Are you walking in His will today? Or will that be tomorrow that you'll address that fault? Will it be tomorrow that you'll confess that failure? Has he instructed you to give? To give of your finances? To give of your talent? To give of your treasure? Has he instructed you to do that and you followed up with, I'll do that tomorrow? Has the Lord been speaking to your heart about uh, assembling together and so much the more? in Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, being in the house of the Lord, you say, next Sunday, that's when I'll start that process. When you have tonight to start that process. These are simple biblical instructions from God's Word. Has the Holy Spirit of God been speaking to you and giving you instruction? These simple things, you don't need to pray about them. You don't need to wonder about them. They're simply and clearly outlined in the Word of God. You just need to trust now. Right. Trust that the Lord knows what's best for you. And trust that His plan is best. And trust that if you follow it in it, you will find good success. But far too often we say, yes, oh, I trust the Lord and, and, and I want to follow Him. I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow. But tomorrow is a tomb. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You, you can't deal in tomorrows and you can't deal in yesterdays and neither does God. 
Everything is today, 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 today. We've got to do it today. Far too often we excuse what we know we should be doing on the tomorrows. It has been said that, before I get there, let me just make a note that we make our lives difficult with our tomorrows as well. You know, it's, it's like avoiding a debt collector. Oh, it'll just go away. <laughs> yeah, it'll go away after you have like 3,000% interest on top of the initial loan and you have to file bankruptcy. And then 15 years after that, before it falls off your credit report, it's like, oh, it'll go away. No, we complicate our lives. Say, man, this, this Christian life is so hard. I feel like I'm dragging all the time. It's because we're not trusting him right now. We're not doing what we should be doing today. I'm not advocating that you have to be perfect or that I have to be perfect. That is not the case at all, and neither does the Lord expect that from me. But he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And so when it comes to what I know I should be doing, according to the simple outline truths of God's word, trust him that what he says to do is best for you. As I was saying a moment ago, it's been said that hard work is often easy work you do not do in the proper time. Hard work is often easy work that you did not do in the proper time. And that's why the Christian life sometimes can seem so difficult because in our timing we put off and put off and put off and then we have to make up ground. Far too long that, that process of uh, walking away from God has been many steps and so the drawing nigh to God seems like it just takes forever. And that's a symbolic image for us, but uh, I, I want you to understand this morning that today, today's the day to begin to do what you know you ought to do, and you will not do it unless you trust Him. Trust Him now. Trust Him now. There is simple instruction given in the Word of God in Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Amen. Trust in the Lord. Hey, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the Lord's been working on your heart on. I know he's constantly working on me. I know he's pinpointing, he's pointing out. And some days I feel like some scum. Some days I feel like, Lord, you're making progress. And it's up and down, up and down, up and down. I know, that's, I know the process. I, I know what you're going through. But will you trust him now, today? Will today be the day that you begin to follow through with what you know you can do? As I said a moment ago, our, our hope and our help will not come from this government. It will come from believers who say, you know what? The Lord has a perfect plan and He's left me on this earth for another day. I will trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. One day a young man moved into a cave to study with wise men. He hoped to learn something or everything there was to know. After giving uh, the, the wise man, after giving his student a stack of books, the wise man sprinkled itching powder on the student's hand and left. Odd tactic. 
Every morning, the wise man returned to the cave to monitor his, monitor his students' progress. Have you learned everything there is to know yet? He would ask. The student would say, no, I'm still at it. And he would sprinkle more itching powder on his hand and walk out. Day after day, the wise man would come back in. Have you learned everything there is to know yet? And every morning, the student would say, no, I haven't. Then the wise man would sprinkle the powder on again. This was repeated for month after month after month. Till finally, one day, the wise man walked into the entrance of the cave and the young man grabbed the bag of itching powder and threw it into the fire. (laughs) And he says, congratulations, you've graduated. You're never going to learn everything there is to know. But you took action to make a positive improvement today in what you could do. And that's what the Christian life is. If you're waiting for every single puzzle piece to fall into place before you start doing what God wants you to do, it'll never happen. You'll be having itching powder on your hand for the rest of your Christian life. And it's going to be irritating. But when you finally recognize, I can do what I know to do to make an improvement in my life according to God's word, and you begin to take those simple actions, God will begin to bless. The Christian life is not complicated. We dress and redress simple principles all the time as pastor stands and speaks every week and, and, and the same things that are taught over and over and over again just in a different light so that hopefully one day we grasp these simple truths. How much simpler is it than to trust and obey? How difficult is that today? Tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. As we continue through in our passage here, and don't worry, we're not going through all of Haggai or Zechariah. I want to move over to the book of Zechariah, if you would, in chapter number one. These two men are right on the heels of each other. You noticed in the first passage it says that it was the sixth month of the second year of King Darius, and now we're in the eighth month of the second year of King Darius. So we've just moved two months from message of Haggai to the message of Zechariah. In verse number 1 again of Zechariah, it says, In the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edu, the prophet, saying, The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. Therefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Be ye not as your fathers unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye now. Lord of hosts, turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. God on many occasions had tried to deliver his people from potential hurt and harm. And hey, the people had listened to the prophet Haggai as he came, Haggai, and he came and he said, hey, you need to get busy, it's time now. And, and the Bible says that they began rebuilding the temple right then and there. But just two months later, here comes Zechariah and he's saying, hey, I got a bone to pick with you idiots. Okay, different version. I have a bone to pick with you. Your father's. I, I went to your, the prophets went to your fathers over and over and over and over again. And they tried to persuade them, but they wouldn't listen. I, I believe that potentially um, what could have been one of these messages that the prophet Zechariah is referencing here is 
is a, is a, is a reference out of Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 18, the Bible says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. This is the beginning of the book of Isaiah, and the prophet Isaiah is trying to hearken to the, to the fathers that would have been referenced here. They're about to go down into Egypt, and if you move forward to chapter number 30, you would see that, that they went down into Egypt to, to uh, go into an agreement with Egypt, and, and God says, this is not a good idea for you, and they get into this whole thing with Egypt, and, and then the enemy's coming after them later on, and they said, hey, and God's saying, hey, just turn to me, turn to me. If, you, if you'll come back and repent, you'll find rest in obedience and and return and rest is the, the reference that he says there. He says, if you'll return to me, you'll find rest. And they said, well, you know what? We'll just get on fast horses and outrun the enemy. And he said, you're not getting it. The only way you will find rest is if you turn to me. They said, oh, well, we'll solve this problem tomorrow. We, we can face it another day. Today we'll just run from it, and tomorrow we'll deal with the problem. Today we'll get on the fast horses, and tomorrow we'll deal with the issues. But the instruction and the cry of Zechariah was, hey, hey, children of Israel, I have a bone to pick with you. Your fathers had a problem that I want you to learn from. They would not turn to me. If we're going to avoid the tomb of tomorrows, you must turn now. You must turn now. If we go back into Zechariah chapter 1 and verse number 5 there, Zechariah asks a question. He says, your fathers, where are they? And my prophets, do they live forever? But my words and my statutes which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they, did they not take hold of your fathers? He said, hey, let me, let me show you something. Are your fathers still around? I tried to warn them. Are they still around? No, they're not here. Hey, are the, are the men of God that proclaim the message, are they even still around? No, they're gone too. He said, but what's still around? My statutes. My instructions. They took hold of your father. They overcame them because they wouldn't follow them. But they're still around for you today. Turn to me. Turn now. Turn back to me. Turn back to me. Turn back to me. You see these, the children of Israel in, 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 uh, in the book of Isaiah and here in Zechariah or were wanting to go their own direction again. And he's saying, hey, you got to keep your face turned back to me. Stop trying to run away from my word. Stop trying to run away from my instruction. Your fathers are going to pass away and the, the men of God who preach the word of God are going to pass away. But my word will never pass away. You cannot escape it. You may think you'll be the exception to the rule. You may think you'll get away with it. But my statutes and my commandments, they've lived forever. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled. In heaven. And far too often, in our excuse of I'll do it tomorrow, we turn away from God's word to pursue our own direction. Thinking that we'll be the one who gets away with it this time. It won't catch up to me. And Zechariah is saying, hey, listen, look at your fathers. Did it catch up with them? Death is sure. 
Even the prophets have not survived. But what about you? Will you keep towards me? Will you turn back now? This is certainly applicable to the children of God. Maybe you're in this room and you're turned away from the Word of God, thinking that you'll be an exception to God's instruction. Well, I would certainly challenge you this morning to trust now and turn towards His Word. But I would also repeat to a a segment of folks who are in this auditorium this morning, the prophet Isaiah, as we read there just a moment ago, come now, come now, not tomorrow, right now. Come now, you and I, right now, with the word of God between us. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. You see, every single one of us that are born into this world are born turned away from God. The Bible is very clear that we are all turned away. We all go our own way. The Bible is very clear that there are none that doeth good, no, not one. You and I, when we enter into this world, we enter into this world, the Bible says, in enmity with God. We are against God. We are opposed to God. And the cry that was given by Zechariah, the repeated cry that was given by uh, the prophet Isaiah was, Come now, in this moment, not tomorrow, not the day after, not the day after that. Come now, let us reason together. The sin that you deal with in your life, for we are all sinners, it can be made white as snow. This is the greatest news that you and I will ever receive in our lives. Come now, let us reason. Let's discuss this. Let's hash it out in our minds. I am a sinner and I am opposed to God. And the wages of my sin is death. I deserve an eternity in hell. Reasoning according to the word of God, you and I, every individual that is born into this world, is born in opposition to God and deserves an eternity in hell. But today the cry comes forth to you. Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Those sins can be forgiven. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Let's reason How do I receive this? How do I become a child of God? How do my sins become white as snow? If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Far too often people hear a message like this and they say, tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll get that settled. Maybe it's an appointed time. Oh, I'm living, I'm only 13, I'm only 14, I'm only 15 years old. When I'm 18, I'll do that. When I'm 21, when I get married, I'll do that at Easter. I'll do that when I'm on my deathbed. These are the tombs of our tomorrows. Come now. Come now. Come now, let us reason together, 
saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They be like crimson, they shall be as wool. The Bible is very clear that you and I cannot escape this on our own. The only way that we escape this is if we'll turn now. Turn now. There are undoubtedly those of you that are in this room this morning who have heard this message repeatedly. And it's been tomorrow's for years. I can relate with that to a certain extent. But today, the Bible is very clear, today is the day of salvation. Today is the appointed time. Oliver B. Green, a famed evangelist, once said, Tomorrow is the mortuary, the funeral, funeral parlor of hell. Tomorrow is the mortuary, the funeral parlor of hell. You don't know what tomorrow contains for you. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest preachers and might even say reasoners of all time, was reasoning with a man named Felix. And Felix heard and was convicted and grieved in his spirit and he knew what was being taught was true. But Felix looked at Paul and said, Go away and I'll call you again when it's convenient for me. The tomorrow that's convenient never comes. It never comes. There was a general in the Revolutionary War who was in Trenton opposing General George Washington, Colonel Rawl. On the night that George Washington would cross the Potomac, a dispatch was sent out to Colonel Rawl in Trenton that General Washington was crossing the Potomac. General Rawl was engaged in a game of chess. And upon receiving the dispatch, put it in his pocket until the game was finished. When the game was finished, he pulled the letter out of his pocket to discover that General George Washington was crossing, but he had already crossed. And we're familiar with the history of that defeat. The general waited for a more convenient time to his demise. And the demise of his troops. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's a tomb. There is no life in it. It may never come. Can I challenge you this morning to trust him now? As a child of God, will you trust him now? Will you begin to do what you know you ought to be doing? No more excuses, no more tomorrows. Follow the simple, clear, outlined instruction in the Word of God. No more I have to pray about it or I'm not sure if it's God's will or if it's the right timing. No more excuses. Do today. Trust now. If you're in this auditorium this morning and you are not 100% settled in your heart that if you were to die today, and that's a very strong possibility, your day is not guaranteed, tomorrow is not guaranteed, if you were to die today, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven?
without a doubt, with no lingering of a doubt in your mind, 100% confidence, yes, I know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. If you can't say that for sure, turn now. Turn to Jesus. He is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by Him. Would you go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes? Go ahead and take your Bibles and close those this morning. There's a challenge given. If you would stand with me and just let me give you just a couple more verses. Just stand with me this morning if you would. There's a challenge given at the end of the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 6, the Bible says, Seek ye the Lord, seek ye the Lord, while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Call upon him while he's near. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Tomorrow may not be there. Trust now. Turn now. If you're in this room this morning and you say, Brother Kavanaugh, I am not 100% sure that my salvation is settled. If I were to die today, I am not 100% sure that heaven is my home. I'd love to get that settled. Everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're in this room this morning and say, you know what, I don't have it settled. I'm not 100% sure. Let today be the day of salvation. Would you raise your hand and say, Brother Kavanaugh, would you pray for me? I'm not sure that heaven's my home. Are you in this room today? You say, you know what, I'm going to put it off any longer. Don't put it off any longer. Do you know for sure that heaven is your home? Just with an upraised hand, let me pray for you this morning. I'll pray for you that the Lord would continue to work in your heart in this area. I'm not 100% sure that heaven's my home. Hey, is the tomorrow happening right now? Is the, I, I'll, I'll do this later, or I'm not sure, maybe I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, hey, l- l- then just come down and let somebody talk to you. Let them show you from the Word of God. No, for sure, don't leave here today. Today, come now. Let us reason together. Today is the day of salvation. With an upraised hand, would anyone say this morning, Brother Kavanaugh, I'm not sure, I'm not 100% sure. If I were to die today, I'm on my way to heaven. By the testimony of the hands in this room today, and that's not to say that somebody's not fighting with it, and if you are, the opportunity is here for you. Come to, come to Christ. But for the remainder of us that are in this room this morning, will you trust the Lord? In simple obedience, will you trust Him today with what you know you ought to be doing in your Christian life? I don't know how the Lord has spoken to your hearts this morning, but if he has spoken to your heart as the piano begins to play, come right now. Come on down to the altar. Just do business with the Lord. Get on your face before the Lord. Don't put it off. I know there's, you can do it tomorrow. I know you can make this decision later. I know that you can deal with that hidden sin at another point. I know that you can surrender to God and give up your ambition some other time, but will you do it now? There are far too many tomorrows in our lives. Far too many putting offs today. Do it today. Maybe you're here this morning again and you're still not sure about heaven being your home and if that's the case and you're not sure about it, then would you just come down this morning? There are gentlemen, there are ladies down at the front and they'll be glad to show you from the word of God how you can get that settled. How you can know for sure that heaven's your home. Don't put it off for another day. Today is the day of salvation.